Merry Christmas to all of you. Welcome to Countryside Covenant Church. We're glad that you are here with us to uh, celebrate the birth of our Lord and Savior Jesus Christ. I know that there may be some of you who have come uh, some great distance to be with us tonight. Your journey reminds me of the visit of the Magi to the Messiah. And so we're welcome, we're glad that you're here with us this evening to celebrate this, this special occasion. Uh, we're looking forward to a, a night of worship, a night of singing and adoration of our Lord, and uh, I will be giving a brief message as well. So we hope that you are prepared to worship and to encounter the living Jesus this evening.
For those of you who don't regularly attend Countryside Covenant Church, and we don't do this often, uh, we have a tradition called the Minutemen. And you say, what on earth is the Minutemen? Those who have done this before know exactly what it means. It means that men have to be ready in a minute's notice, at a moment's notice, uh, to be called into action. And in this case, to exercise their vocal cords and sing. And so uh, it is now... I call upon the Minutemen to please come forward and let us sing together, We Three Kings. Now, these are not a specific group of men. If you're a male, you're more than welcome to come forward and sing this song. So it's not just for those who come and worship with us on Sunday morning. It could be anybody. So please come forward and sing this song with us.
Uh, I would like now to invite Gary and Rosie Christensen for the special music. like now to invite up Noah Mursu. He will be singing In the Bleak Midwinter.
like now to invite the Montaigne family in singing Breath of Heaven. the Lord I bear in a 
like now to invite Jerry Struby for a reading of our scripture this evening. Now the birth of Jesus the Messiah took place in this way. When his mother Mary had been engaged to Joseph, but before they lived together, she was found to be with child from the Holy Spirit. Her husband Joseph, being a righteous man and unwilling to 
to expose her to public disgrace, planned to dismiss her quietly. But just when he had resolved to do this, an angel of the Lord appeared to him in a dream and said, Joseph, son of David, do not be afraid to take Mary as your wife, for the child conceived in her is from the Holy Spirit. She will bear a son, and you are to name him Jesus, for he will save his people from their sins. All this took place to fulfill what had been spoken by the Lord through the prophet. Look, the virgin shall conceive and bear a son, and they shall name him Emmanuel, which means God is with us. When Joseph awoke from sleep, he did as the angel of the Lord commanded him. He took her as his wife, but had no marital relations with her until she had borne a son, and he named him Jesus. This evening's passage, the text is Matthew chapter 2, verses 1 through 12. But what I'm going to do is I'm going to start by reading the text. Matthew chapter 2, verses 1 through 12. Now after Jesus was born in Bethlehem of Judea in the days of Herod the king, behold, wise men from the east came to Jerusalem saying, where is he who has been born king of the Jews? For we have seen his star in the east and have come to worship him. And when Herod the king heard this, he was troubled and all Jerusalem with him. And when he had gathered all the chief priests and the scribes of the people together, he inquired of them where the Christ was to be born. And so they said to him, In Bethlehem of Judea, for thus it is written by the prophet, But you, Bethlehem, in the land of Judah, are not the least among the rulers of Judah. For out of you shall come a ruler who will shepherd my people Israel." Then Herod, when he had secretly called the wise men, determined from them what time the star appeared. And he sent them to Bethlehem and said, Go and search carefully for the young child. And when you have found him, bring back word to me, that I may come and worship him also. And when they heard the king, they departed. And behold, the star which they had seen in the east went before them till it came and stood over where the young child was. And when they saw the star, they rejoiced with exceedingly great joy. And when they had come into the house, they saw the young child with Mary his mother and fell down and worshipped him. And when they had opened their treasures, they presented gifts to him, gold frankincense and myrrh then being divinely warned in a dream that they should not return to Herod that they departed for their own country another way nobody knows who the magis were though pretty much everyone has heard of them they embody the search for truth for meaning and for purpose in life we assume they were men, and tradition tells us that they were wise. But all we know is the direction from which they came, which was from the east, and that one day they turned up at the palace of Herod, 
Herod was not born a Jew, much less a king. He was an Edomite, historically one of the greatest enemies and ruthless leaders in Israel. And now he was king. He was made king by the Romans. One day his court is disturbed by the arrival of these mysterious foreign dignitaries who come asking to meet the king of the Jews. These truth seekers had followed the clues that drove them westward. They realized the palace was not the destination, but it was simply a detour that could become a distraction. And so they don't stay there. They kept following until they found Jesus. Though there was a move in the church at least 20 years ago to become seeker-friendly. Music changed in worship services. Drama skits were incorporated into the worship services. And clothing became less and less formal, all for the purpose of becoming more friendly or to make connection with those who are unchurched to help them find Jesus. But what do you do when you're a truth seeker and you find truth? What do you do if you're a truth seeker and you find Jesus, who is the truth? What do you do when you find him is the test of whether you're really a seeker or a perpetual wanderer, someone who's still lost. Sometimes when people do come in contact with the church, they are encouraged to make a decision for Jesus Christ. Maybe you were told that when you went to church one day, make a decision for Jesus Christ. But Christ himself called us to make disciples, not decisions. I have made so-called decisions about many things that made no lasting difference in my life. Maybe that is true of you as well. But when you become a disciple, everything changes. Maybe you made a decision once as part of your spiritual journey in life. But that may not mean you're a disciple. How do we know which is which? A seeker and a disciple. The answer is found in verse 11. It says, when they, the magi, the wise men, found Jesus, they bowed down and they worshipped him. That was what they wanted to do from the very beginning. They set out to follow the star, but the search was not the point. They already told Herod they knew that the end of their journey was the beginning of true worship. Worship was the goal. For the Magi. I'm reminded of a song by Miley Cyrus. Maybe you heard the song. It's called The Climb. There's, uh, the lyrics is often repeated in this song, and these are the lyrics. She says, there's always going to be another mountain. I'm always going to want to make it move. Always going to be an uphill battle Sometimes I'm going to have to lose. Ain't about how fast I get there. Ain't about what's waiting on the other side. It's the climb. 
It's all about the climb, she says. It's the journey. It's the upward incline journey. That's what it's all about. She then later says in her song, you have to keep on moving, keep climbing, keep the faith, baby. It's all about the climb. Keep your faith, keep your faith. And when I hear these lyrics, I say, faith in what? Faith in what? It's all about the climb. It's all about the journey. If you don't have a goal or a purpose for the journey on which you're on, then the the journey becomes a wandering. If you're just journeying for the sake of journeying, if that's the point, with no goal or end in sight, then you're just wandering. The point I want to make is that the contrast with her lyrics and the Magi is that their journey had a purpose. It was to find Jesus for one reason, worship. Which leads to the question, why won't people worship Jesus? Why won't people worship? Some people won't worship Jesus. They won't bow down to him because They worship themselves. Of course, Herod would not bow down. As the years went by, as well as ordering the death of every boy born in Bethlehem around that time, he killed his mother, his wife, and his sons when he felt his throne and title were threatened by them. He encouraged the Magi to search diligently But all he was personally looking for was how to keep his own crown. He embodies a person who does not want to worship Jesus because he wanted to keep himself upon the throne. We live in a society, a very individualistic society, where we don't want to bow down to him because in doing so we would have to remove ourselves from the throne of our own hearts oftentimes. We live in a postmodern society that says there is no such thing as absolute truth. And if there's no such thing as absolute truth, well, then everyone is, can make up their own definitions of what is true and what is not, what is right and what is wrong. In essence, you become your own God. One of the reasons why people won't bow down to Jesus is because they won't put, take themselves and remove themselves from the throne Secondly, some people won't bow down because they worship science. Of course, there's no real division between science and faith unless, of course, you put all your faith in science. The Magi were astronomers. And astrology falsely states that the position of the stars at a child's birth determines the destiny and the future of the child. Ironically, the Magi found that the position of where Christ was born determined the position of the star. The Bible says that knowledge puffs up. Some people, having devoted their lives to the study of science, are deluded enough to believe that the tiny amount of understanding that they gain to write a PhD about mathematics of a black hole somehow makes them qualified to teach everyone else everything they know nothing about works. 
Some people won't bow down because they will worship science. And some people won't bow down because they worship theology. Theology has been called by many as the queen of sciences because the knowledge of God is the beginning of knowledge. But what is sad is that the ecclesiastical leaders and the expert scholars, that is the chief priests and the scribes in Herod's court, looked to their scrolls and the ancient prophecies and knew where the Messiah would be born, but they never went there to validate or find out if that was the case. It is true that there are many professors in seminaries and in universities, particularly seminaries today, who are expert in Greek, Hebrew, Aramaic, the language in which the scriptures were originally written, they know all about the words. They're experts about what God has said, but they have no intention on worshiping him. They have no desire to find him. Jesus said of the Pharisees that they diligently searched the scriptures that spoke of him, but refused to come to him and have life. Some people are so wrapped up in the theology of Scripture that they miss the Christ that the Scriptures talk about. So some people won't bow down and worship Jesus because they worship theology. The Magi left what they saw going on in their times and their world to take them on a journey. But they did not define themselves as lifelong seekers. When the star got them to where they meant to go, they stopped. And what did they do? They bowed down. And they were overjoyed because when they met Jesus, they understood that their search in life was over. They brought themselves the very best that they had because they also became worshipers. Their gifts represented not so much who they were, because this was no longer about them. It was about the one whom they were worshiping, Jesus. And what did they give Jesus? They gave him gold. And they gave him gold because he was a royal person. He was royalty. They saw the king of kings. They were important dignitaries, representing the nations and the rulers of the earth in all of its splendor. But Jesus' majesty outshines them, even though he was in a position of humility. The earth is the Lord's and everything in it. The silver is mine and the gold is mine, says the Lord. So whatever we want to give him, we only are in essence giving back to him. Frankincense was also offered because he was deity. He has always been God, Jesus. When their search was over, they saw God the Son. And as a result, they gave an offering of worship. Now we are called to lay our lives before him and become a living sacrifice because he bought us with the most precious substance in the universe, his blood. And lastly, they gave him myrrh because of his humanity. He who was always God and always been God became human. When the Magi's search was over, they saw a son of man. By the time they get to Bethlehem, he's a young child. 
He knows what we are like because he has become like us in every way except without sin. The word became flesh and dwelt there, and they beheld his humanity. When we discover these truths, how can we not bow down and worship? It's sad if people hold on to their own crowns and the temporary gifts of this life like Herod did. But perhaps an even bigger tragedy is when people waste their whole lives going from one place or person to another, supposedly on a search for meaning, for purpose, and for truth. Yet when they find it all in the only one who embodies it, they walk away singing, I still haven't found what I'm looking for. As you travel through life with all of its questions, with all of its ups and downs, the problem may not be that you haven't found the truth, but that maybe you're unwilling to bow down. Are you willing to say today, I'm going to call off the search because God has come and found me? So I will give Jesus, who owns everything, what he wants from me? If so, Let's bow down and pray to him now. Pray with me, please. Lord Jesus, we come before you as your people, as worshipers of you, the one who came in the likeness of men without sin. You are fully human and fully God, the God-man who traveled into our world as a child so that we would seek you and find you in all of your glory. Father, I pray for those who may be here today who are searching and are seeking in the times in which we live, there are many people who are asking many questions today. Asking why. Why me? Why now? Who are searching. And Lord God, we pray that those who are seeking you will find you. And when they find you, will worship you, will bow the knee and give you the glory and the praise that you alone deserve. For it is your coming into this world is the reason why we are here this evening. It's because of your coming into this world, taking away our sin and dying upon a cross, that we can come before you and worship you and be accepted by God the Father. And Lord, we pray that those who are seeking, that your spirit would touch them where they are, that you would minister to them and draw them to you that they will see you for who you really are in your glory and in your humanity and draw them into a personal relationship with you so they will no longer have to seek because they have been found by you. Lord, help us to be your followers, your disciples, wherever you may lead. Help us to be faithful to you, to fulfill your call for our lives. Lord, we thank you for the birth of your son, Jesus. 
because it is your birth that leads to your death, which gives us life in a personal walk and relationship with you. And for this, we give you thanks, and we give you praise, and we worship you this evening. We praise your name, Lord Jesus. Amen. We're now going to sing our last song, Silent Night. And what we're going to do is I'm going to light a candle, and then I want you to all to light your candles. When they're all lit, we're going to sing the first two uh, verses of Silent Night with the, with the pianist playing, Hannah. And then we're going to sing the last verse, a cappella. So would you please stand? This concludes our worship service, this candlelight service for the evening. On behalf of Countryside Covenant Church, I would like to wish you all a very blessed and safe Christmas and a very, very happy new year. And for those who have traveled uh, far distances, may Christ go before you and bestow upon you traveling mercies. Now receive the benediction. May the Lord bless you and keep you. May the Lord make his face shine upon you and be gracious to you. And may the Lord lift up his countenance and give you his peace. Amen. Go in peace. And Merry Christmas.